Journey to Organization, Episode 78, Things That Hold Us Back. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization. And this week, I want to talk about a few things that happened to me over the last few weeks, specifically some things that I noticed about why we put off uh, getting help with organization, why we don't prioritize it in our lives. And it's it's kind of fascinating to me how people will prioritize spending money on the craziest things, of course, no judgments, for everybody it's different, but people will prioritize spending money on one thing, but helping themselves to get into a better situation, they can't prioritize. And it boggles my mind a little bit. I wonder why people just have so much trouble um, really spending money <laughs> to get the help that they need. Now, You'll see, sometimes people just don't have the money. <laughs> if you're shaking your head, I talk about uh, what we can do about that at the end. So stay with me. But there's lots of reasons why people don't prioritize what they need besides for just the money. I mean, if if that weren't true, then every single person who called me for a consultation would book with me. I think a lot of times it comes down to the money, but sometimes it's a combination of money with embarrassment or um, not being willing to spend the time to do something good for themselves. There's a lot of combinations of things. So I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to talk about some experiences I had over the last um, two weeks. Um, As you know, last week I uh, did a Jewish Women's Renaissance Project trip, and I'm going to talk about that a little today. But before I really get started, I want to talk about A client who's booking with me who had a situation happen to her this week, and I'm not going to give any details to identify this person because that wouldn't be okay, but um, I think that it's enough uh, of a story that you can relate to it. So let me give you some background. This client of mine, she's moving, okay, and she just had a baby. She has two other kids, and I told her that... I didn't want to set an actual date with her until she got a date from the movers so we could plan our, you know, packing system for, uh, you know, once we had the mover so we could set it up so that, you know, she wouldn't have to live with the things that she needed for too long and we could pack in stages. Excuse me. Anyways, um, she calls me up (laughs) or she sent me a message actually and she said, I told my son he needs to start getting rid of the toys he doesn't use anymore. And he had, you know, a freak out attack. And I was like, yeah, that that sounds normal for a kid. Um, I won't say how old he was, but he was small. And um, I, you know, I had said to her, I'm like, start getting everybody into your house, into the mindset of, you know, reducing, getting rid of the things that you're not using anymore, getting rid of the things you don't need anymore, you know, just, you know, minimizing in general. And this like totally freaked out her son. And the thing about it is that, is that so normal for kids? <laughs> it's so, it's so happen. It, it happens so frequently. He said to his mom, I am not getting rid of any of my toys. And really it just, it happens. 
it happens often. Kids are reluctant. Sometimes it's a spouse that's reluctant. Sometimes it's you who may be reluctant to organizing and and uh, you know getting help organizing or just organizing in general. Either way, there's lots of people in your house who could be reluctant. <laughs> um, part of it is maybe why you haven't gotten help for the problem because you're so reluctant. Reluctant, but. Um, if you need some, you should definitely get it. In <laughs> uh, my Facebook group called Organizing in Israel, which is, by the way, a free group to join, and you don't even need to live in Israel to join it, a woman posted this week about her desire to get rid of her photo albums. And she's like, I really am ready to do it. But I look at them on Shabbat sometimes, and so now I'm torn. And I said to her, I'm like, just, you know, scan the best ones, put them in a digital picture frame, run the picture frame on a loop. It runs all the time. You can look at it whenever you want. It's there, just sitting there, and you can look at it all the time. You can add pictures to it. Now they even have um, picture frames where you can have email addresses set up to them. So like for a grandparent maybe who doesn't have the internet or who's not so internet savvy to look at pictures, you can um, email a picture directly to the photo frame, and it just runs on a scroll, and it's pretty amazing actually. <laughs> but anyways, um, this woman, she desperately wanted to get rid of her pictures, but yet she was torn about it because there was an aspect of the, th the pictures that she liked. And so she couldn't pull the trigger. And so I really, really think that it's important to talk about what holds us back in terms of decluttering. And for different people, it's different things. If you remember back to episode 75, I spoke about World Mental Health Day and I outlined my levels of hoarding. What I'm about to say, what I say today, applies to any level on the spectrum of hoarding. I think it really doesn't matter where you are. It just matters to, that you figure out what's holding you back. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a level one or level two or level three. What holds back a level one could be different than what holds back a level two, or it could be the same, but it's different depending on the person who's doing it. So it's important that, you know, you really take a few minutes, be introspective, figure out what is really holding you back. Listen to yourself. Listen to the words that you're using. Is it really the money? Is it embarrassment? And we're going to go through it again, like I said, but really take the time to listen to yourself and see what, what really is holding me back. Two of the two other things that happened to me this week, which I think are also relevant. I mean, a lot of things happened to me in a week, but I don't want to share them all. Uh, the first is that someone on Facebook sent me a, a friend request and she was a real estate broker. And I'm like, oh, great. Another real estate broker. I'll message them and see how we can work together because, you know, it makes sense that I work in conjunction with a real estate broker, you know, their clients need to declutter and move. Sometimes they need to get their house ready to show. And we talked about my pricing and what I actually do. And she said to me, wow, I can't believe you do that. I can barely get my clients to clean their houses, like just wash the floor. <laughs> How can you expect me to get them to want to pay for your service? And first of all, I kind of think like, okay, well, if those are the kind of clients you have, Maybe you should consider getting new clients because it's probably not easy to sell their houses. Although selling houses in Israel is like a completely different animal than selling them in the U.S. I've heard stories about how like 
people are coming to buy the house and like the owners in the shower and they don't care. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know. I've, I, 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 I've heard that more than one time. Like the owners just don't care. And maybe that's a thing about Israel. I don't know. But I, I kind of feel like how do you decide to sell your house and then be like, I'm not going to put my best foot forward. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. How can you say, yes, I'm going to ask 2 million shekels for my house and I'm not going to even bother to declutter it or stage it or anything like that because in the end, I kind, it, it almost says, in the end, I kind of don't care if you buy my house or not. And it's sort of this laissez-faire, you know, attitude where if you buy my house, great. And if you don't buy my house, okay, that's also great. I'll live here longer. Like there's no maybe sense of urgency from people selling their houses here. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a gross generalization. It could be. <laughs> this has just been my experience. Like I don't understand why, why you would do that. Or I've actually looked at um, rental apartments where the house is not totally clean and no one's been living in it for months. And it's not just like dusty, dirty. It's like really dirty. And I'm like, Okay, you're showing the house a couple times a week. Why don't you show it clean? No one's living here. How hard is it to get a cleaner <laughs> and have the toilets scrubbed out, you know? Like, whatever. But I think people don't uh, put put in their best foot necessarily when they're trying to do something. And that's a detriment. But I think more than that, I think there's also this sort of element where like, okay, I've decided to sell my house and, uh, you know, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> I'm a little bit scared to do it. Or I've decided just like the lady with the picture albums, I've decided to get rid of it, but I can't quite pull the trigger yet because I'm scared. And being scared, fear is like a real feeling and a real emotion. And you should give your ta yourself time if that's the emotion that you're feeling. I mean, there's no reason to rush into any of it. If you're feeling scared, that's a valid feeling. Take a step back and, uh, and figure out what are you what are you afraid of? Are you afraid that, you know, you won't have a new place to live? Totally valid. Are you afraid that the item that you're getting rid of, you might want in the future, which is also totally valid. And maybe it is a good reason to not give it up. Maybe it's not. It depends on what the item is and it depends how much you're actually accessing it now. But these are real feelings and they're worth evaluating and looking at and seeing and asking yourself, is is the fear that's holding me back and what about the fear that's holding me back it's worth it to have these kind of conversations with yourself saying to yourself you know this is a legitimate feeling how can I rectify this feeling um, last week I went on a trip with Jewish Women's Renaissance Project touring Israel with a group of women women that I had never met before and I have to say it was an amazing unique experience I hope I get to do it again I learned a lot of new things about Israel, and even though I lived here, I learned so much about it. Can't imagine what the people who have never been here and don't live here learned. I know they learned a lot too. I also saw a lot of new things. They were amazing things, things I had never seen in Israel before. Believe it or not, it was my first time going to Masada, and it's definitely, definitely worth going. <laughs> um, and people were shocked when I told them that, but yeah, it was my first time, and I was thrilled to have have done this trip but um 
being with so many women who are experiencing so many new things for the first time and getting closer to their Judaism was also an amazing, amazing experience. And I'm, I'm really grateful to Lori Palatnik and Adrian Gold for having allowed me and all the other people involved. There are so many I, I'm afraid to mention, but Adrian was my trip leader and Lori is the one who suggested it. And I'm really grateful to these ladies for um, having me on the trip. And it was just an amazing experience. And what I realized from being with all these ladies was they were all experiencing so many new things. I mean, for some of them, it wasn't their first time in Israel. For many of them, it was. But they were experiencing these new things about Israel and these new Jewish customs that they had never experienced before. And it was so amazing and exciting to them. And sometimes they were scared, but they pushed through the fear and they had these new experiences. And I think that it's important too with decluttering. There's fear. There's definitely fear. But you can push through it and have this amazing experience on the other side of it. Yeah, you're afraid to get rid of something. But what happens when you do? Look at it from, try to look at it from the glass half full perspective. I'm going to have more space. Now, even though you might not think that more space on a bookshelf or more space on your kitchen countertop amounts to so much slowly lat lat these things grow on each other and more space begets more space and more space begets more space and there's this feeling of calm that comes in after you remove the things that you don't need anymore and that's huge and everybody's so afraid i, I gotta say it with baby clothes <laughs> i'm so afraid i'm gonna need these again and it's true, you may need them again. You may, you may have another little boy or another little girl. But in the meantime, why not clear up the space if you don't know if you're having more or if you don't already have somebody who can wear that? Maybe you have someone who you can give it to in the meantime who can really benefit from it. And maybe you can ask for it back or maybe you'll just say, I'm letting it go, it's a mitzvah. If I need something else, someone else will hand it back to me. And that's huge too. It's scary to let things go, <laughs> but it's okay to let them go. Really, it's okay. I want to also just briefly mention, and I'm going to talk about this more in a little bit too, the feedback I got about books and Svarim in, in particular. There were a lot of conversations. I think this was maybe my most talked about episode <laughs> or the most engaging. I mean, people really left me voicemails and emails and posts, comments on my post. I read them all. And what I've come to as a conclusion, which I already know, but this just sort of brought it home to me, is that even more so, when we make up our minds to do something, fear and worry hold us back. But specifically with books maybe and 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 I think it's also with clothing um we worry that when we let go of those things we we let go of a part of ourselves books and clothes have a tendency to define us and we let those things define us I mean what you wear shows the world you know who you are it, you know if you wear bright colors it's showing your per your that's part of your personality bright personality i always learn you know and this is the fashion designer in, in me so you can always tell what kind of person a person is by looking at their shoes if they're meticulous and neat if they're you know fashion forward you can tell 
by the quality and the condition of their shoes. And I think that's kind of true. And I think we all go in stages, you know, but I think, you know, it, it does say something about somebody, the shoes that they wear. The, the clothes that we wear says something about us. The books we have on our shelf say things about us. If we have only comic books, it means, you know, we like to read fun things. If we have only classic Russian novels, it means, you know, we're serious and we like to read, you know, thought-provoking things or classics. We're classic. And these things say things about us. But I think it's important to remember that things can't really define who we are. Um, we have to define who we are. And that's really, really important when you're considering what you have in your home, what you keep in your home, and what you bring into your home in the future. In the case of kids and toys, I think kids worry that if they get rid of their broken toys or toys that they don't play with, they either won't have anything to play with, but I think it's more than that. I think that for kids, there are so few things in their lives that they control, and when you ask them to get rid of something, it's like they don't control it anymore. And when they're not in control, it's hard for them. Or when they're not in control of the stuff they think is theirs, that's hard for them. Because you know what it feels like to not have control over a situation and how it can sometimes make you feel anxious or worried. I think especially when kids are moving and you say to them, you need to downsize, that's scary for them. It makes them anxious because now all of a sudden it's clear that I am not in control of the situation anymore. For kids, their things really define who they are. And I know I'm going to probably get some feedback about gender normative toys here. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just going to say it because it's a good example. It doesn't necessarily have to always be true. But, you know, I'm a boy. I like trucks. And these trucks are important to me because this is who I am. I am a boy. And, you know, again, gender normative. I'm making a generalization here. Just for the use of example, I get that it doesn't apply to every boy. I totally understand that. I'm just saying. <laughs> for the use of example, there is an association with toys and, the, and, and, and children's identity. And I think that when, you know, we're saying to our kids, you need to declutter because we're moving. You have to be careful and understand that there's definitely fear for them. Who am I without this toy? Where are we going to live? What's this new situation going to be like for me? And when you reach, when, when this kind of situation happens with a kid, it's important to give them as much information as you can because that really helps with the anxiety. Here's a picture of what your new room will look like. You see, it doesn't have quite the same shelf space as we have now. So we have to declutter a little bit and take only our very best toys because we won't be able to keep the new room clean if we don't do this. And then they understand and you've given them the tool to really um, have control over their situation. You've given them the information that they need to feel okay in this situation and now for each kid it's going to be totally different um but you know you know your kids and you know how best to say that to them but here's here's the thing is that it's true with kids it's also true with some adults or even older kids teenagers okay i'm talking about small kids now but it could also be true for teenagers it could also be true for your spouse they're worried if i get rid of this you know why am I getting rid of it? 
don't I have space for it in the new house? Maybe, maybe not. But talking about why you're going to get rid of something helps eliminate the fear and the feeling of being out of control. And I think that's really important to um, note because we want to give the people in our lives who we love the ability, the real ability to be able to have as much success in everything that they do as possible. And when we give them these clues, when we tell them what they can expect, it's a lot easier for them to move forward. Um, regarding the books, <laughs> specifically Svarim, I got two sides. Uh, Jewish books. I got I got two sides of the story. The first is you can never have too many books. And one person even went so far as to telling me I keep the books I don't like so I can remember that when I look at them, I don't like them. And I'm like, why not just keep a list, <laughs> you know, and pass them on to somebody else and see maybe they'll get benefit out of them. No, keeping a list is too much effort, he, he said to me. Um, someone said to me, I, I used to think the books define me, but now I realize I define me. And that allows me to call regularly. Uh, somebody said, you know, we a few people actually said this to me. We came on Aliyah. We bought so many books. We couldn't unpack them because we didn't have enough space. They're still sitting in boxes and I don't miss them. And I should just get rid of them, but I can't. And they know that they have now have too much stuff. And they're okay with it sitting in the boxes, getting moldy. Okay. Um, some people said that they had enough room to unpack them, but they were just shocked when they actually unpacked them, how much there actually was. They couldn't believe they spent money bringing them. Um, I think that we definitely brought a few books that I'm sorry that we brought, but mostly before we made Aliyah, we definitely got rid of a ton of books. I'm pretty happy with the amount of books we have now, although I think we could get rid of a lot of them. Um, they're mostly the kids' books, and um, the thing about the kids' books is that it's really hard to get English books here in Israel, and my kids tend to read their books over and over and over again, but they do say to me when they're done, Mommy, I'm done with this book. I'm ready to pass it on, and we pass it on. Um, a couple times a year, we go um, to events where there are English book swaps, and I'm always like, hey guys, let's pack up the books and do a book swap, and they're like, yeah, and it's great for them because they get rid of the books that they're not reading, and they get new books, and so that's great, and we make a trade, and usually we come back with a lot fewer books than we left with, than we took out, so that's good too. I mean, the thing about Svarim, so I just want to, I went on a tangent there, I'm sorry. <laughs> the thing about Svarim is that a lot of people think that Svarim define us as Jews. These Jewish books that we have on our shelf define us as either religious or that just that Judaism is important to us. And 100%, I hear what you're saying. But to me, I don't think books are what do and do not allow us to keep our tradition. Now, I'm going to say this because I think it's important to say, and I've said it before, but again, this is a tangent, sorry, but I just want to say, because I know I'm going to get pushback for saying this probably, but whatever you get from listening to my podcast is great. Pick and choose. I, what, I, what I say is not the gospel, okay? What I say is not the law. <laughs> These are just my opinions. If you don't agree with them, that's okay. And that's okay with me if you don't agree with them. But I just think it's important to remember uh, before you call me up yelling at me and there are people who kind of are a little aggressive about it, which is fine. I have thick skin. I can handle it. But think about 
what is making you angry about what you're saying to me? Because sometimes I get these phone calls and it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense what you're saying to me. And <laughs> so think about what you want to say to me. Compose your thoughts and, and think about it. But what I want to say is this. Um, I, I, well, it's, it's a little hard for me to get out exactly. So, so bear with me here. That I think part of what enables us to pass on Judaism to our children is partially what we exemplify, exemplify to our children, what, what, how we lead by example. There we go. Um, it's so funny because now that I live in Israel, I have so much trouble speaking English and Hebrew. It's a little bit crazy. Um, I think the exemplification of Torah values is what's of premium importance to us. It doesn't necessarily matter how many books we have on the shelf. If we're not living by the values of what's on our shelf, then having that stuff on the bookshelf isn't going to get us anywhere. It's not going to teach our children this is what's important to us. I mean, for years, Jews were taught the oral Torah and the Torah, the oral Torah was not written down. And I understand that we wrote it down so that it wouldn't get lost. Okay. <laughs> I, I totally get that. But I think that really it was in danger of being lost and that's why it got written down. But that doesn't mean that every single part of it that is on paper is going to play the part in us leading by example. I think that when we show our kids this is what's important to us when we're sitting down at a you know a dinner table and we don't have our phones there because it's important to show respect to the people who we're eating with or when we say kiddush and we have a shabbos meal together or when we you know teach our kids um things to the mikvah to tovel or um when we and we include our kids in those things, um, you know, including our kids in taking challah and including our kids um, in making brachot, um, including our kids in, I, I don't know, in any aspect of cultural Judaism or, or in, in not cultural, but in actual physical, you know, Judaism that's what's the important part. And we can have all the books on our shelves and not exemplify that to our kids. And they don't learn anything because you can't learn it by osmosis. You have to pick it up and learn it. But mostly, I mean, the Torah is living and we teach by example. Something that happened to me on the JWRP trip was that, well, so for those of you who don't know what JWRP is, Jewish Women's Renaissance Project, it allows Jewish women who are under who have children under the age of 18 to go to Israel for free to connect with their Jewish roots. And on my bus, there were 49 amazing women this week. And they got the chance to connect to their Jewish roots and see Israel as they had never seen it before. And like I told you, honestly, I had not seen Israel that way before either. And they left Israel feeling a real connection to Judaism and its laws and customs. And I think that's what really inspires our kids. So, you know, take that to you all with your kids, take that trip with your kids, you know, to some place Jewish to get them really inspired, like inspire them. And I think 
that will go a lot farther than spending every single last dollar you have on books that may never get read. Now, I had, um, uh, I gave a talk last year in Jerusalem, and a lot of ladies who listen came to the event. <laughs> One lady came with her husband, though, and they, you know, used my talk as a date night, which I loved. <laughs> and um, her husband thought it was going to be a total waste of time, right? But he really took into heart a lot of the things that I said. And this was like a really, really firm couple. And they took in, he really took to heart a lot of things that I said. And a little bit like that it annoyed his wife. So I apologize to her for that. <laughs> but um, he wrote sort of like this uh, log that he shared with me. And um, he wrote to me this. He wrote, most of my svarim I clung to because I had no foreseeable time to learn them, but I clung to a vain hope of it, learning it. These, those vain hopes were cluttering my mind and frustrating me when I looked at them. I li I'm literally letting go of baggage, guilt, vanity, and doubt I just shed. It's like I reassessed my life goals and targeted myself. I'm not saying learning these books are not important. I'm saying reassess which ones are which ones you can actually learn the ones that are too difficult or that are just aspirational those are the ones you can pass on the ones that you learned but they didn't really resonate with you that's what you can pass on let go of the guilt of having these things that you aren't using <laughs> to me what he said sums it all up why do we have so much trouble getting rid of our things? Why do our kids have so much trouble getting rid of our things? Why do our spouses have so much trouble getting our, rid of their things? It's because we hope and wish and want for us that, that these things, that we've set goals to come true, that we've set goals for these things to make us into this person who we want to be. We want to be able to learn those books, read from the books, learn them, it's true with crafting supplies we bought on sale. We wanted to make something from those crafting supplies. We want to be able to make beautiful things. It's true about the unitasker that we bought for our kitchen because we thought we would make some specific meal we saw in a recipe, in a, in a cookbook that we liked that, you know, we only need for one recipe. We never used it. We never made it. It was too hard. It was too... It was too challenging. We buy sometimes things because we hope that it will make us better people. But what we forget is that when we reduce what we have, we can make ourselves better just by reducing. Clearly seeing what we already have, finding use for the tools we already have, and actually using up what we have that gives us a clear perspective of who we are. That defines us. What's left after the purge, those are the things, those are the things that say who we really are. Not all the other things that are cluttering it up. Not the hope that we'll do something. That just sits there and taunts us. It taunts us that we didn't get to the crafting project or the or the recipe or the safe fair or the book even. It just sits there and probably if it's been there for more than a year, we probably aren't going to use it. So letting it go to letting to, to somebody else who will use it, isn't that so much better? Why should we sit there and watch it and, and give ourselves guilt over it? It just doesn't make any sense. But the thing about it is that hope 
is not the only reason that we have for not seeking help. And it's not the only reason that we sometimes don't think we have a problem with too much stuff. On the other side of the corn, sometimes we have hope, but sometimes we're embarrassed. We are embarrassed that we spend too much money on things that you don't use. You're embarrassed that your house is a mess and that, you know, you can't let people see it that way. You're embarrassed that you're less than adequate because you have so much stuff and because sometimes having the stuff around means that you're not making good use of our time. And sometimes the stuff says to you, oh, there's never enough time because you're always spending so much time on your stuff. Embarrassment is a real thing. <laughs> it's not quite the same as fear. It's not. Uh, it's definitely not the same as fear. If that's what's holding you back from asking for help, don't let that be the reason because a pro will never judge you. If you don't feel for comfortable with the first person you call, then find someone else because there's a lot of organizers out there. If you don't go with me, there's somebody else and I won't judge you, but I'm sure they won't judge you either. And I think that the final reason that people are holding back from getting help is not the fear, is not the embarrassment, it's not the even sadness that they feel from not having achieved goals that they hoped all these things would buy them. It's the money. And I know it's a big one for a lot of people. And if you can't afford a pro, make a trade with a friend. Get your kid to help you for a few hours. Get your spouse to help you. Tell your spouse, this is important to me. Tell your spouse, I need your help. I mean, they're your partner. They're supposed to help you. So if you need help, ask for help. If you can't afford a pro, then get a friend. Just get someone to come and stand there with you. I know that there's a lot of times kids in the neighborhood who you can even pay a cheaper amount. It's not going to get you the same result. I'm not going to lie to you. You won't have the same result. But it can definitely make an impact. And that's what we're looking for is a shift. Once you get started, maybe it will be a lot cheaper once you do what, you're, do what you can yourself and then hire a pro to come in and help you when you get stuck. I, I mean, a lady said to me this week, I don't want, you know, I don't want to have to do this myself. I want someone to come in and do it for me. And that's what I'm willing to pay for. But the thing is, is you sell yourself short when you have someone else come in and do it for you. What you want is someone else to come in and do it with you because doing it for you is not going to help you in the long run. It's just going to, you're just going to need to keep paying someone to come back over and over and over and over again to get you tidied up. But when you actually spend the time decluttering and you go through all of your things with somebody, it's a lot easier to maintain the organization that you've achieved because, frankly, you did it yourself. You know what you have. You know where everything is. The professional is just their kilo as if they're a personal trainer. Same way, you know, you go to the gym with a trainer to make sure you actually get on the equipment. That's what it's like with a professional organizer. I personally take all the stuff away from my clients, so that's a huge uh, burden off their shoulders. And that's the important part, is look for someone who, who will offer you a payment plan. Look for someone who's gonna offer you a way 
to make sure that you can get it done because there are people out there. I personally offer payment plans um, for people. There's no silver bullet and there is no magic wand I can wave. It just takes time and effort to declutter. I think that's also, I didn't say this, but as I'm saying it now, time is also another reason why people put it off. Putting it off because of time is a foolish, foolish reason because you know what? You will get so much more time when you have decluttered. You will just have more time for everything in your life once you spend the time to get rid of the excess. I promise it makes a big, huge difference. Where there's a will, there's a way. Figure out your excuse and move past it. I decided I want to help with this. So I'm offering everyone a free coupon for a free 30-minute session and email of one one-time email support. These are video sessions, okay? You have to have access to video chatting so that we can do a quick tour of your home. I'll give you some quick tips and tricks and you can email me your success and I will email you back with your next steps, okay? You just need to send an email with the words podcast 78 in the subject line to Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H at RebeccaSaltzman.com or leave me a voicemail with your number and I'll get back to you to make a time for the appointment. It's only good for the first 20 people who respond to this offer. But it's really important to me that you do this. So I'm trying to, you know, put myself out there. If money is the issue, then this is a great way to get started and feel progress and success and really um, move forward in your life. That's what I hope for you is that you'll move forward in your life, that you'll take this opportunity to Address what's holding you back, the fear, the worry, the time, the hope, the goals, the money, whatever it is, address what the problem is and move forward. Decluttering helps us see what we really have and the things that are meaningful to us. And that's what I want you to be able to see. See what's really, truly meaningful to you. Um, See why, why it's important to do this. See... I mean, I know why it's important to do this, and I think you know why it's important to do this, but I want you to see what can happen, the real results you can get from having less. It will make a difference in your life. So please reach out to me, Rebecca at RebeccaSaltzman.com with uh, podcast um, 78 in the subject, and I'm going to get you, help you, get you to where you need to go. Come with an open mind come with, you know, (laughs) ready to make a change in your life because you can make a change. And all those things that are holding you back, the fear, the worry, the goals you didn't reach, the time, the money, all those things, you can overcome them. And I'm not saying, you know, it's going to be one time. It's going to be a slow road probably. However long it took you to get into this situation, If it's into the situation, it's probably going to take you 10 months to get out of it at least, but it will happen. Just keep on trucking. Don't let, you know, one setback hold you back forever. Keep, keep on moving forward because it's really, you can. And just because you fall off the wagon a little bit doesn't mean you can't just get right back on it. Okay. So I'm here. I want to help you. I'm putting my money where my mouth is by helping the first 20 people who, um, ask for help. If there's a massive response, well, I'll deal with it then. But um, 
I'm hoping that, you know, don't just think you won't be one of the first 20 people. Just email me, okay? Just email me. Um, but you do have to have access to a video chat. That's really super important. Anyways, I hope that this episode really um, gives you the tools to recognize where you're stuck at. I hope that you're able to identify where you're being stuck and I hope that it gives you some ability to move forward. Um, I wish you all a good week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.